Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Uh, ben, I'm noticing today that your uh, podcasting attire is a bit informal. It is, yeah. I'm uh, I'm on the podcast in my shorts, if you guys can't tell. <laughs> oh. Could, yeah. you, could you tell, yeah, yeah. Hardman? Yeah. 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 I, I, can't, I actually can't tell. No, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'm wearing... I'm, uh, I just I'm have boxers do a on, so... Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> our our yeah. guest has you beat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, the good thing about audio medium is that um, mm-hmm. people can use their imaginations. Yeah. Yeah, but typically right. it doesn't matter what you can just roll out of bed and do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey guys, this is the Gravity Leadership yes. Podcast. <laughs> we have uh, which <coughs> you've listened to the theme music, and uh, I'm sure that you know that. Um, I'm Ben Sternke. I'm here with uh, Matt Tevy today. Yes, I'm here. And Ben Hardman in Atlanta. Yes, I'm there, here. There I'm you are. Fully clothed. There you are. And are yeah, fully clothed. And um, the other voice that you heard is our guest for the day, Chuck DeGroat. Welcome, Chuck. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, it's good to have you. Uh, Chuck, uh, for those who may not be familiar, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, who are you? Where do you live? What are you up to? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for the last six years, I've been professor of counseling and Christian spirituality at uh, Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. Mm-hmm. But before that, I was a pastor in San Francisco, uh, pastor of spiritual formation at a church in San Francisco. And then before that, a uh, similar kind of role in Orlando, Florida. And so in, in the two different churches where I've served, I've started uh, counseling centers um, and a fellows program. And uh, yeah, so I spent a number of years in pastoral ministry, but now I get to, it's like I've left the field and, and I'm now in the, in the booth, like Tony <laughs> Romo, you know, <laughs> and now I get, I just get to comment on what you all do. Oh so, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Great. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Tony Romo is a pretty <laughs> great color guy, by the way. Yeah, I, I yeah. Don't, I'm not too yeah. familiar. He he kind of gained some notoriety uh, in the yeah. playoffs last year for being able to call a play before it happened. I don't that's know, right. Do you remember that's that, right. Chuck? Yeah, it's crazy. Like he would see it that. happening yeah. on the field. Yeah, that's that's basically what I do now. You know, I, I sit. <laughs> I can see it coming. Perched up in my office, my seminary office in the second floor, and I just comment on pastors. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. L- literally, literally from above them. 
Yeah, from above. In the second, yeah. in the second floor. Yeah, no, that's yeah. funny. Speaking of narcissism, yes. <laughs> well, yes. yeah, that's why we we, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about that. Exactly. Today. You're you're in the process of writing a book. You've written a number of books that have to do with yeah. something we care about at Gravity, which is the interior internal life of a leader of a person, mm-hmm. and how uh, there's there's alignment or congruence between who we are uh, privately and who we are socially or publicly. There that yeah. that's meant. There's meant to be a wholeness there, a holiness about yeah, our right. being, right? And so. Um, yeah. You've written a number of books, but the the latest one that's not out yet is is about uh, you mentioned the word narcissism, and we're in this uh-huh. series on power, yeah, and how we uh, as Christians are getting power wrong, and we want to reckon with that as Christians, not necessarily pointing fingers at all the people that are doing it wrong, but but mm-hmm. kind of naming and owning our own complicity uh, in those things, but then also just putting a way forward. And so, Chuck, we, hmm. we're hoping, um, we're confident, actually, that you have a lot to offer to this. So, yeah. would you, the word narcissist, would you describe what yeah. that is, what that's referring to, and how you became interested in that? Yeah. Well, I became interested because I experienced it in the church. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't have a word for what I was experiencing. But when I was in seminary back in the mid-90s, I, I was... Uh, uh, I went to RTS Orlando down in uh, Orlando, Florida, and uh, it was it was during that season that I I encountered it in in some pastors and some uh, colleagues uh, had no word for it. A therapist said, "I think you've encountered a narcissist," and it sort of blew my mind because I I think whenever you encounter someone who's narcissistic, you generally question yourself, and mm. that's what I was doing. I was wondering what was wrong with me. Um, and and this therapist at the time helped put words around how I was being used and manipulated in particular kinds of ways. And so you mentioned the word power. When I think about narcissism, I think high power, low empathy. Um, that hmm. may be the most simple way of describing it. Uh, this is a person who's highly defended, a person who, uh, using language we're all familiar with, lives out of the false self, a false self that uh, is highly self-protective and highly defended and highly powerful because he or she is just so scared and ashamed at some more fundamental level, yeah. uh, but, but is not at all willing to um, engage that. And so uh, high power, but low empathy too, because uh, one who's narcissistic really isn't able to move toward you with compassion um, because mm. he has no compassion for himself. So mm. that, that might be the simplest way of describing it just to get us started. Yeah. Gosh. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I think a lot of people hear narcissism and they, you know, they've got the myth of narcissists, right, in their mind. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where it yeah. comes from, right? And I think right. a lot of people think of narcissism as somebody who is actually in love with themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where they think, oh, this is, uh, like, that yeah. person thinks highly of themselves or they're in love with themselves. But you've said that this person actually has no compassion for themselves. So, yeah. wh- how do you account for that, uh, for that difference of, like, what... Uh, what do you mean by that? If if somebody's you know highly defended, but actually they don't have any compassion for themselves. Yeah, it's in some ways it's just a misunderstanding of the original myth. You know, narcissist was um, fixed on his own image, uh, became intoxicated with his own um, mm. image, and and um, uh, the in fact the word narcissism um, at the core is that word narc, meaning numb. It's like literally addicted huh. or numb, numbed out. And when you're numbed out, you ha- there's no capacity to love. It's, that's not love, you know? Yeah. And so uh, it's, uh, it's fixation. And so 
uh, you know, if, if Narcissus had a capacity for love, he would have moved away from his addiction into relationship. But uh, Narcissus yeah. in, the, in the myth couldn't do relationship, was incapable of relationship, right? So, yeah. so, it's, yeah. so it's a fixation, uh, mm. and it's not love. And it's also a fixation on the image of themselves rather than That's their right. self. That's There's right. A difference. That's right. That's 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 a, a, an excellent way of saying it. Hmm. So, without uh, betraying confidences, uh, Chuck, is it? Can you? Are you able to offer one or two short anecdotes or stories about your encountering narcissists? When you you know, yeah, can, like put some flesh on that for us so that we can maybe maybe come more fully aware in our own lives where we experience that. Yeah, you know, whenever I tell stories, I try to. Uh, bring together multiple stories so that I'm not talking about uh, one particular person, right? Yes, uh, which is kind of kind of funny um, because sometimes when I tell these stories, um, uh, people will, especially on Twitter or something like that, say, "I'll get." Most recently, I got a note from a lawyer of a pastor saying, "Don't talk about me," <laughs> um, which is probably probably wow. a sure sign that you're narcissistic, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah, you read that story yeah. and you assume that's about yeah. you know. You There's a song about, about that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I told my I'll lawyer. I told my lawyer not to mention you. me. <laughs> I bet you think yeah. this tweet is about you. Yeah, yeah, I bet you think this tweet is about you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I've done a, a number of uh, consulting gigs over the years for from for some larger churches, and um, I'll give you an example of of one where uh, it was very very charismatic lead pastor who had invited some younger pastors into his orbit. Uh, these were pastors that didn't have much training. He had some training. And so they were, they were pretty in, indebted to him like, uh, and his expertise on things. And he was charismatic and they were fairly insecure. And so uh, his approval of them and, and, and his uh, acceptance of them meant a lot to these, these young pastors. Mm. Uh, but what they'd find is that um, one day they were in and the next day they were out. If they performed well, they were in his good graces. If they didn't perform well, they were marginalized. Sometimes certain privileges were taken away. Hmm. Um, uh, my encounter with uh, pastors like that is they uh, all decisions centers on them. You know, they they make all the decisions um, ultimately. Even if even even if they feign empowering others, it it ultimately comes down to them. Uh, they, yes. they often feel threatened or intimidated by other talented staff. And so uh, in, in the case that I'm thinking of right now, uh, there was someone sort of rising through the ranks, another gifted pastor. And instead of empowering this young pastor and, and giving him opportunity, um, he disempowered him and ultimately fired him. Hmm. Um, need to be the best and the brightest in the room. Um, hmm. They're often really inconsistent and impulsive. You never really know. I mean, they can announce a vision one day and two weeks later say, now I've come up with something else and we're going in this direction. Hmm. And so uh, people who, who uh, I'm, I'm thinking of now, of course, a, a church staff or a, a, an ecclesial kind of setting, right? But those who serve under a narcissist, whether in an ecclesial setting or a corporate setting or wherever, um, will, will often feel like they, uh, there's something wrong with them there's a kind of crazy making gaslighting phenomenon where it's mm. like, what's wrong with me? Um, and they'll find themselves questioning themselves, themselves very insecure. Um, and until, you know, so, someone with some expertise comes along and says, no, actually you're being manipulated right now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Do you think some of that is amplified in the church, Chuck? Uh, almost a, a, a spiritual abuse yeah. or a, a spiritual narcissism that comes out where people can use scripture and use yeah. the word to manipulate and those kinds of things. I think that's that's um, that's a great insight because I think in the church, uh, not only do you have the spiritual abuse piece, but you've got this sense, particularly with pastors, that. Uh, because uh, many of us have our master of divinity, you know, we've mastered divinity, um, <laughs> yes. because because we've got some sense of spiritual authority that um, that we know we're talking about, and so mm. uh, you know th- that's why others will second guess themselves under the leadership of a narcissistic pastor, because um, how could he or she uh, be wrong? You know, um, mm. he's my spiritual authority. Uh, yeah. He's he's got yeah. the, the the theology. He's got the Bible. He's got it figured out. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so it's almost like gasoline on a fire uh, in the church, right? Because I mean, it, you yeah. know, nar- narcissists are all over the place, or, or or whatever. And this kind of leadership can be experienced in the political realm, or the healthcare realm, or the business realm, or or, or whatever. Yeah. But there is this sense in which, when you put the stamp of God's approval on it, the implied yeah. stamp of God's approval, then rebelling against the narcissist or or beginning to confront that situation feels like there's so much more at ri- at stake right it's like yeah. am i a christian yeah. anymore if i if i you know what i mean like am i losing my faith yeah. is that what's wrong with yeah. me yeah it's more of yeah, that that's right. gaslighting thing yeah i mean whenever you have thus saith the lord you know <laughs> um attached yeah. to it you will you will run into problems of power, right? And I and I do think yeah. we all we all struggle with this at some level, right? Mm. Um, and there is a there is a power uh, that we're given, you know. That uh, when I was a pastor for a good number of years, when I'd get up in the pulpit or I'd uh, I'd preside over the communion table or whatever it was, there there is a sense of of privilege and power in that space, mm. right? But as yeah. uh, Di- Diane Langberg is a uh, is another another brilliant, uh, or not another, like I'm calling myself brilliant on this, <laughs> but, uh, is a, is, is a, is a brilliant author, uh, counselor who talks a lot about narcissism. She says, narcissists, uh, narcissistic pastors, uh, have many gifts, but the gift of humility, mm. um, they, they have little capacity to see their own brokenness, their own weakness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though, even though they'll use language like that, that's what's really interesting. Um, yeah. There's this phenomenon I call vulnerability, F-A-U-X, vulnerability. Mm. Um, the ability to, to, to sort of use language of, I'm a sinner, I struggle mm-hmm. to, you know, I'm like you mm-hmm. in a way that actually manipulates. Mm. Yes. Yes. And oftentimes... And it's, it's almost as if... Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. I was just going to say, it's, uh, it's oftentimes from the pulpit rather than you know, personal conversation. And it's like you said, Chuck, it's general. I'm a sinner, but like what specific sin have you committed? And they've got no answer usually. Yeah. No answer. Cause they, that would be way too vulnerable. Right. So we can talk generally about, yeah, I fail too. I struggle. But to say, you know, last night I logged onto my computer and I looked at pornography for two hours would be way too vulnerable and they're incapable of vulnerability. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. And and it feels like in the church, sometimes our structures allow this to go unchecked completely. Right. Uh, because mm. we have an ecclesiology that speaks of the pastor is the only one that hears from the Lord rather than everyone mm, hearing yeah. from So we question the pastor or the leader or the <clears throat> narcissist who's in charge. It's almost as if you're questioning God. At yeah. That 
which yeah. creates almost even a like a it's gasoline on the fire, like you said. Yeah. I was just having this conversation with someone uh, who was sort of criticizing non-denominational context and saying, well, you probably don't see as much narcissism in denominational context. And I said, mm. I, I do, because <laughs> yes. it's embedded in systems, yes. you know, and old boys clubs. And so yeah. uh, there is uh, one scenario that I was involved in, in, uh, a Presbyterian, uh, in a Presbyterian system where the old boys club protected the narcissistic pastor for years and years and years. Um, and uh, this went on in a number of different scenarios, but yeah, it, you can find it embedded in systems too. Yes. Hmm. So I, I feel myself being sort of incredulous in this conversation in the sense that as you describe a narcissist, um, Chuck, and we've all experienced that, the Benz and I, yeah. um, I'm sort of, incredulous that we not only have tolerance for that, but we actually seem to have an appetite for it in some ways. Yeah. Like we, we almost prefer and demand our leaders like demonstrate some of these unhealthy things. What is so, what is so alluring about that for Mm. us? Why do we put narcissistic people into positions of authority and power? Yeah. I, I often say that uh, you know, for years I did psychological assessments for, well, I still do psychological assessments for church planters, but I, I used to do uh, church planting assessment centers uh, back when I was in the PCA. And um, you could line up uh, the gifts or, you know, on the, on, on the uh, kind of, on the, the scales that they were using, the testing that they were using, like some of the attributes of a successful church planter alongside the characteristics of narcissism. And there was like a clear <laughs> match, right? Oh my and, gosh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so it, in a sense we were we it, you know and many of those times as as we were sort of uh working with with a young guy coming through the system who others would say were was incredibly talented and had the gifts to lead a church, plant a church, I'd be the one saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, time out. Time out. This is um I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing all sorts of red flags here." And they'd say, "But no, he's just so gifted. He's so talented. He's he, you know, he's a little rough around the edges." And so, yeah, in a sense, we approve of it. If you're a leader, if you're confident, if you can communicate, uh, if you're articulate, if you know your theology, we sort of put the stamp of approval on you. And we never do, you know, the work that you all do with gravity, the, the inner work, uh, we sort of avoid the inner work. Yeah, I actually had a hmm. denominational leader once tell me, as I explained to them what we did, uh, he told me, well, this was probably good for pastors in crisis, but not the not the young church planning go-getters, the mavericks. They don't have time for it. And I remember I remember thinking when he said that, I remember thinking, those are exactly the kind of people <laughs> that need this. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah. maybe then, what? how do we become uh, narcissistically resilient? What are some ways <laughs> that... Personally, right? Because I think um, there's there's narcissistic personality disorder, which is sort of a yeah. diagnosable DSM five kind of thing. Then there's narcissistic yeah. tendencies, and I think we would be fooling ourselves yeah. if we didn't just own that we probably all have narcissistic tendencies, like where this is a spectrum, yeah. right? Yeah, that's how, right. Like what, what what are some of the ways that what are some practices or habits we can cultivate yeah. personally and communally to become resilient, <laughs> uh, resistant, resistant yeah. to to narcissism? When, yeah. <laughs> What? I'm just laughing because when you first said narcissistic resilience, uh, that in my mind I thought, yes, how can we sustain our narcissism better? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that's not what you meant. <laughs> well, 
There may be some out there who are wanting that right, question right, answered right, right, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn off the podcast because yeah. that's not the question. Resistance Chuck is, going is to what answer. I meant. Yes, thanks. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I love, I love that you just said that it exists on a spectrum because you're right. And if this is not a binary kind of thing, you're either you've got it or you don't have it, right? Yeah. Um, I find that you know, as I've been doing some writing on this, uh, I've had a number of folks reach out to me, mostly pastors, male pastors, reach out to me and say. Am I narcissistic? <laughs> you know, can you can you have a conversation with me? And generally, I'll say if you're asking the question, uh, that's good news. Uh, I think yeah. a first, may, maybe a first practice, if you call it a practice, is curiosity. Uh, there, mm. There's some sense of curiosity about who you are, uh, what's going on in your soul. There's some uh, some uh, proclivity to an inner conversation, yeah. right? Uh, some interest in that that false self that has developed over time. I think a second piece of that is relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. Every single narcissist that I've worked with uh, is lives in isolation. Um, now they may, I, I worked in one particular setting in a church where, uh, or I, I, I consulted in a setting where this guy had people around him all the time. He like, he had an entourage, right? Right. But he was profoundly lonely. Yeah. And, uh, because narcissists are incapable of relationship. And so another practice I think is, is relationship. Uh, do you have people who you let in? Um, and, and by, by letting them in, I'm not talking about like a, an accountability group. This is mm. we're reporting in on our behaviors. I'm talking yeah. about, um, being available for the hard, uh, uh, confrontation, you know, the hard conversation. Yeah. Um, I had a friend a couple of years ago say some hard things to me about um, how I was over-functioning in a particular setting. And uh, it was really hard to hear, but it was so freeing. And do we have people in our lives who are able to say, this is what I'm seeing right now. And it's, it's tough um, and it's ugly and I don't like it and it hurts me, mm. right? So curiosity, relationship, uh, those are two that come to mind right away. Yeah, that's really good. So important. Yeah. So important. Because yeah. I think so if simple. you're, yeah, I think if you are, if you ever name anything unhealthy or ask questions in a narcissistic environment, you're deemed as yeah. uh, disloyal or, yeah, um, that's right. That's right? right. Yeah. Right. And you, you're yeah. or weak or weak. Mm. weak. Weak, disloyal. Yeah. yeah and that's, yeah. you get eliminated, marginalized pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. You do. A, a second thing there, or another thing around practices too, is uh, I, I think we're all, we're all, um, we all consider contemplative spirituality to be an important component of our, um, our life and our spiritual practices. And I think, uh, you know, narcissistic people cannot stand silence, <laughs> you know, silence or solitude. Hmm. And often when I'm working with narcissistic, uh, men in particular, um, I, I see more men than women who are narcissists, particularly in ministry, I should say that. But when I'm working with narcissistic men in particular, uh, we, we try to cultivate a relationship with silence and solitude. And often that's really, really hard at first because they need an audience, you know? Yeah. And so uh, there's something terribly frightening about being alone. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So recognizing, so recognizing that it can be, you know, what's your relationship to silence and solitude? Yeah. Are you comfortable yeah. just being a person? Yeah, what's that quote? Yeah. What's that quote by Pascal? All of humanity's troubles can be linked to man's inability to sit in a room by himself. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so good. So this that's isn't so a new thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. That's, that's really helpful. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. 
So, so Chuck, when you when you were talking about uh, the uh, a narcissist's inability to show empathy for others is yeah. probably rooted in their in their inability to show empathy to themselves too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think one of the challenges for us as church leaders is it's really easy for us to kind of just cast stones at the narcissist right. <laughs> to yeah, talk right. about all the ways that we've been hurt by power in the church. Uh, as mm-hmm. we've been doing this series, we've heard a number of stories from people that are yeah. just kind of coming out of the woodworks and sharing their stories of how they've been hurt and, and those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, how, how, if you're working in an environment where you're working with a narcissist, how do you love them? Well, how do you yeah. serve them? Well, how do you, uh, I, I, <laughs> Is the answer always just run? Yeah. Or is there, or is there yeah. a better way? Yeah. Yeah, that's a complicated. Hmm. Uh, the, the, the response would be long and, and somewhat complicated because it's situational, right? But some of the pushback that I've actually experienced in my writing on this is that I, I, sh- I do show empathy um, to those who are narcissistic, hmm. um, in part because I believe that beneath the waterline, um, there there's a story, right? There's a story of pain yeah. and shame and weakness. Yeah. Uh, I, I was working with one particular pastor who is probably in his mid forties at the time. And in our work together, an eight year old boy sort of came out. Now I'm talking about when I put my, I'm a therapist too. Mm-hmm. So when I put mm. my therapist hat on um, and uh, when this eight, little eight year old boy came out, it was like, uh, Chuck, I'm so scared. The world is just such a terrifying place. I mean, he was bullied when he was younger, mm. and he just learned at a very early age to kind of put on the, the strong, protective, defensive front and become the bully, right? And so, yeah. part of it is is um, part of it is is compassion for the story of of the narcissist. Now, that's really hard if you're in a you know an abusive relationship. Uh, you're married to a narcissist. You've been under a pastor's thumb for a long time. You know, yeah. that's it's really hard to kind of muster up compassion and empathy. Um, but I do think that there, that's an invitation at the very least. Yeah. And there may be, there may be some distance chronologically between that developing the ability to develop that empathy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there may be a necessary leaving or, or some kind of relational distance, right? That's right. That that would allow you to get out of the crazy making kind of, you know, world of it. That's where right. you could get a bit more objective view to say, okay, I, I can understand why yeah. they are that way yeah, and set some yeah. appropriate boundaries and all that kind of Absolutely. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Often it's after some time, months, years where someone will come back, maybe it's a spouse and say, I, I, um, I have, I almost have a pity for him now. I, I used to see him as big and powerful and intimidating, whether it's a pastor or a husband or, and now I just see him as small and scared yeah. and, um, and yes. deeply insecure. And that's the thing is that be, be, below the sort of below the waterline is that p- profound shame. You yes. know, he's, he's just a scared little boy. And, um, you know, in a sense, his tactics are a way of, of, um, of getting the love that he needs. It's that simple, you know? And so whether it's a 5,000 member church, you know, mm-hmm. or even a small rural parish, I, I did some work in, in a really kind of conservative fundamentalist setting, this was a, a rural church pastor, uh, but he was sort of the fundamentalist pastor, and he was special. And come to my church because yeah. I've got my my theology right. We get it right here, and they get it wrong, right? Yeah. And um, uh, he was this big sort of, uh, even in appearance, a big man. But when we started doing the work, I mean, he was just a scared little boy. If I don't 
if I don't live out of this false self, who am I? Yeah. If I don't have all my theological ducks in a row, yeah. and um, like, who, who am I, Chuck? <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that deep insecurity, uh, the, they confuse admiration, and we all do this to some degree. We confuse yeah. admiration for love. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, just, just getting to that place, I, I think, is... I mean, it's scary for a lot of, I mean, for people with narcissistic tendencies, but I think even, yeah. even all of us, you know, again, yeah. it's a spectrum. So we've all got a little bit of this, but like yeah. even hearing that, it's like, yeah, that is, it is a scary thing to get in touch with our vulnerability, our weakness, that question, yeah. like, will I be, will I be wanted and loved yeah. if I'm not yeah. displaying this image to you, this false yeah. self? Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And you're right. The, the, there is a healthy, we talk about a healthy narcissism too. Hmm. And so, you know, the opposite of, of narcissism is not some sort of um, self, uh, self-punishing, self you right. know, kind of like, oh, I'm just terrible. I'm woe just, is I'm, me. I'm, I'm, yeah. Woe is me, whatever, yeah. you know, how, however you describe that. There is a sort of healthy confidence. I mean, I, it's, it's sort of like if, I, I don't know if y'all have kids, but I've got daughters who are 17 and 16. And when they were younger, you know, it's the, Maggie does a cartwheel and says, daddy, look, do you see what I did? Yeah. You know, and I, ideally we give, we give her the love that she needs and we mirror back. Um, but if, if, if we grow up in a vacuum of, of love, we're going to look for it someplace. Right. And, and that's how narcissism mm. sort of develops. Yeah. We're going to be doing cartwheels for the rest of our life saying, look at what I did. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> to use that metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, Chuck, if you can help us then as we wind up here, what are some resources? Let's say I'm listening to this, hmm. and I maybe suspect that I have some narcissistic tendencies, like, and I want yeah. to begin to take that seriously. What, what do I do? How do I begin to address that? Yeah, that's good. I think if you're listening, if you're a pastor, you're, uh, and, and I, like I said earlier, I get this quite often, um, I think it's important to find... Uh, I think it's important to find a therapist. Let's just put it that way. Because if <laughs> yeah. you go to a parishioner, if you go to a parishioner, let's just say you go to a parishioner and say, do you think I'm narcissistic? What do you think you're going to hear? <laughs> right? Especially if you um, are narcissistic, they'll say, no. Right? No, yeah. of course, I love your sermons. I love you. Your teaching has been the most powerful that I've ever heard, right? Yeah. But yeah. I-, I would say a therapist who's informed on these things, who you can sit with and tell your story to. Mm. Um, but I think what's what's, I say that, but with a caveat, it's oftentimes people around you who see it and know it. Um, and you can hide in a therapist's office, right? Yeah. And so are there people in your life who are willing to be honest with you? Are there, hmm. uh, I, I remember uh, one, uh, another story, another pastor I worked with, we had him call former staff members. And hmm. uh, we actually set up meetings with former staff members. We had them come back to town and uh, share with me, and, and and I asked this pastor to just listen, wow. and then uh, offer back what he heard. And we did about ten of these, and by the tenth, his his eyes were like yours right now, Matt, wide open. <laughs> like, oh God, I can't believe it. I think, you know, I I, I didn't realize how I was impacting them. I didn't realize wow. that he left staff because of that. I didn't realize that she was scared of me, and she left ministry altogether because of me. Mm. Right, so. Um, it's it's inviting others into a conversation, um, others who are willing to be honest with you, mm. and um, and and oftentimes those who are sort of uh, uh, 
further along on that narcissistic spectrum that we were talking about earlier are just not capable of doing that. They don't want to do that. It's just too vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So it's a good uh, sign yeah. if you're even having the thought that I might be narcissistic yeah. and I'd, I'd like not to be, that's a good sign is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we all know stories probably of, of pastors, let's just say in the last five years who had, uh, you know, had larger ministries and big platforms who have uh, had hard endings, you know, for one reason yeah, or another yeah. and are already back in ministry, yep. you know, who haven't done the work, you know, who sort of... Uh, fashioned a new false self and reappeared in a new way now repentant now yeah. i've got my repentant false self on you know with my, <laughs> oh, gosh, my even yes. bigger gospel oh, uh, man. to go with my I, even bigger of this ego. Other failure oh yeah i think i just yeah. got triggered chuck <laughs> yeah Speaking of therapy, I've got an appointment. I've, I've got, got a few of those moments. Today Chuck, how good. This is what you do. You come on my podcast and then you get a client. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk later. I only hey, charge $350 an hour. Oh, so. It's a bargain, oh, man. Yeah. It's a bargain. Yeah. yeah, bargain. yeah, yeah. For, for what you get. You know, uh, I, hey, Chuck, one, one question. If yeah. for the people that are sitting in the seat across from the boss and have experienced narcissism, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you give us some just like here's some, here's some ways to begin to heal? Yeah. Uh, that may be useful for Ben, Ben, and Matt, and for the <laughs> three of us others. as yeah. well. Just counsel us for a right. minute. Like, what what are some ways that you talk about just just healing mm. from that brokenness yeah. and from that woundedness? Yeah, you know uh, what's what's tricky is if you're in the situation right now, um, a lot of folks want um, as, as a part of like responding to how they're hurt by a narcissist, engage the narcissist and right. often find that that leads to further trauma and further mm -hmm. pain. Right. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. some of this work, I guess I'd say is work that needs to be done sort of discreetly with, with a professional, with someone who gets this kind of stuff. Um, the journey begins with taking seriously how you've been hurt, um, making sense of, of the dynamics. And it's, it often takes another person, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sitting with you, to, to name, uh, to name all the different ways. I mean, uh, uh, for me in my own encounters with narcissism, uh, it's often taken years for me to see the implications of it. Um, and to see my own complicity in yep. it as well. Yep. Right. Because I'm, um, I I'm deeply insecure and I look to more powerful people, uh, oftentimes to, to sort of, um, uh, to, to give me the love I need to, mm -hmm. to affirm me in the ways that I need. Right. And so, I mean, just to get to the heart of your question, I think, take care of yourself, get the help that you need, take this seriously, recognize that it's a trauma, um, uh, recognize that in, in a way you've been victimized. And I, I think sometimes there's a lot of pride and we don't want to, we don't want to own that or accept that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, what's, what's sad about that, um, just another quick story in, in a particular church that I worked in where the narcissistic pastor was, was, was eventually fired. The staff were traumatized, but after the fact, they never did the work of healing themselves. Mm -hmm. And now the system re remains pretty toxic yeah. and unhealthy um, because they didn't take it seriously. They thought just getting the narcissist out of the way mm -hmm. was going to be healing. Yeah. Um, but they actually had to go through a process of owning the pain and naming the pain. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's in the system, like you yeah. were saying before, yeah. and and we have mm -hmm. to be able to own. That's what that's I think one of the hardest things to do is own our own complicity. Um, yeah, because it is really, I mean, it it moves against our own narcissism to say, "Wow, yeah. I 
I was weak, I was manipulated, or I was, I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid of losing my position. You know what I mean? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you almost create a shame cycle in the midst of that. Even though it, yeah. it can, it can right. root yourself deeper in the how did like why why did I not see this? Why did I not? How totally. did I? Why why was I so caught up in the system that I didn't recognize this pain? Yeah, that's right. Tendencies. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, may, maybe then last last question, um, Chuck. You just mentioned another word that's getting thrown around a lot, and I wonder if you could maybe give us some insight into what you mean by it and why it's yes. important. And that's the word trauma. Mm-hmm. And how is trauma, what is trauma, first of all? Um, and how is yeah. that distinct from just having hurt feelings or um, being uh, being hurt? Like, how is trauma different than hurt? Yeah. I, the main thing that comes to mind is that trauma is internalized um, over time right? That trauma and, and trauma actually t- um, takes root in one's body mm. and, um, and even in one's neurobiology. Um, so I could be hurt and say, ouch, and um, maybe feel a little bit sad for, for the next few minutes. Um, or I can experience an abusive relationship or uh, a, a rape early in my life, or simply being raised by um, unhealthy parents in a way that it, it now sort of takes... Um, it, it becomes a presence in my body. <laughs> it, mm. uh, it sort of takes shape in a way that um, I, I, f- I feel it comes out sideways. I feel it in ways that I'm not even conscious of. And so when we work with trauma, oftentimes we've got to work uh, not just with the feelings, but with the experience in one's body. Mm. Um, uh, and, and so, yeah, it's definitely, I like how you, you nuance that. It's, it goes beyond hurt feelings um, t- into something that is actually embodied, um, in one's um, physical body and neurobiology. Yeah. Yeah. And this so feels it, like something that we're just waking up to. Yeah. Like this yeah. is a new, we're, we're realizing yeah. that like post-traumatic stress disorder and yeah. Uh, the, yeah. how the body keeps yeah. the score and all these things. About, yeah. We're, yeah. We're waking up to the fact that our body like catalogs and stores yeah, uh, dam- right. damaging yeah. experiences and emotion and we can't get yeah. at it by thinking better thoughts. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's a lot more complicated than that. And that's where, you know, oftentimes this will begin to notice, uh, like like someone will come to me, a pastor will come to me on a staff uh, with a narcissistic pastor, not coming, presenting with the issue of my narcissistic pastor. Instead, he'll come (laughs) to me and say, I'm experiencing panic attacks and depression. And so we'll start to work with the panic and we'll start to talk about how he experiences it in the body. And he'll realize that he experiences that panic kind of around his neck and chest when the lead pastor walks into the room. (laughs) And so we'll start to make sense of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So you've got to attend to your body. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really important. I I think the, the, the main thing that I'm learning the last few years about all this stuff is that like, I think I used to assume that my life flowed from my brain. Like the thoughts mm. that I had, like made me do the things that I do. Like the command center, like, like your brain is the control like a, center. Yeah, yeah, it was like a linear kind of relationship there. And and realizing yeah. some of this stuff has been really, uh, it's actually been freeing to realize. Oh, there's something in my body that's here that mm-hmm. I can actually now attend to because it's it doesn't. I used to always think that like if it came out sideways, that was that was like, yeah. um, that was like some explicit sin that started in my mind. 
that like yeah, I express yeah. through my body rather than saying like, no, this is, I don't know why this is here, you know? And yeah, I, I, right. I'm now free to explore this feeling yeah. that I have in my body that causes me yeah. to act in these ways. Yeah. Yeah. And many of us are radically out of touch with our bodies and our <laughs> breath. I mean, I'll, I'll mm. say that to someone I'm counseling and they'll say, I don't remember the last time I breathed. Um, right. You know, and so, but once they start getting attuned to their bodies, uh, things start popping up. Oh, that's what that stomach pain for the last three years has been all about. That's what those headaches are about. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Um, yeah. This is so good, Chuck. Yeah. I want to go yeah. for three more hours. You have three I'm more so, hours? I'm yeah, so thankful. It's a long conversation. <laughs> it, it really yeah. is. Yeah. What's the name of your book that's coming out soon? Yeah. So I, I think it's a year out. I mean, it's oh. IVP has it right now. Uh, but uh, my title for it is When Narcissism Comes to Church. Hmm. Uh We'll, we'll see if that's what IVP lands on, but okay. uh, it's in the editing stages, and I think it'll probably be out by maybe next winter. Okay, we'll, like we'll put some links to uh, your other books in our show notes. How would yeah. people connect with you uh, outside of this podcast if they wanted to yeah. get in touch? Yeah, so um, the website is www.chuckdegroat.net. Um, and then, you know, I wrote this other book where I do talk about narcissism in there, and it's called Toughest People to Love. Um, hmm. uh, it's like, I don't know what it's a long subtitle. I can't even remember. There it is. Yeah. How so to understand, some, lead, lo and love the difficult people in your yeah. life, including yeah. yourself. Oh, yourself. including yourself. Yeah. I like that. yeah. And, and that's the important part, right? That we try to get back to, even in this conversation, the last few chapters, like it's, it's easy to sit around and, and, uh, you know, find labels for people who, who have hurt us, but yeah. how do we take that turn and look at our own lives? And, yeah. and for me, how do I look at how I've been complicit? Um, and how yeah. I've needed narcissists in, yes. you know, in my life oh. because of my own shame and insecurity. And so, yeah, wow. it's important. Yeah, even the tendency to scapegoat a narcissist is probably a sign that I need to do some more self-examination. Yeah, right? Well, that's, right. that's all yeah. the time we have for today. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's getting triggered again. Bye! I gotta go! Oh, gosh. Chuck, yeah. thank you. May, uh, may your work yeah. may your work uh, increase. May your tribe increase. We love you, man. It's yeah, so important. Yeah. yeah. Grateful for you guys. Uh, and same to you. So grateful for your work. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Hey, guys, we'll see you next time. We're having a lot of fun in this uh, power series, eh? Well, we, we were until I had all this work to do that Chuck gave me. <laughs> all right. Well, you and Chuck can connect later about that. All right. Peace, y'all. Yeah. Bye. See you later, Matt. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.